Welcome to the Tej Talks Podcast. Forget the property celebrities. We speak to relatable people with fascinating journeys, just like you. Hosted by Tej Singh, we bring you new stories, life-changing deals, and expert advice every week. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Tej Talks podcast with your host. Yeah, you guessed it. It's Tej. On today's podcast, we are covering a topic that I don't usually or often have many guests on to speak about, and that is commercial property. Now, 2021 is going to bring lots of changes, lots of opportunities and threats, and some new sectors within commercial that are going to do really well, and maybe some existing sectors that aren't going to do so well. So Susie has over 25 years experience and is a chartered surveyor. So there is a lot of value from quite a few different angles, actually, that we share with you. So if you're interested in commercial property, you've never done it before, or you want to do it this year, then have a listen to this podcast because we talk about all things commercial. Susie Carter, welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Great to be here. Thank you. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm very grateful that you are here. You're very experienced, uh, in particular in the world of commercial, which is something that I haven't had too many guests come on to speak about. And I think for a lot of people who are doing buy-to-lets, HMOs, you know, service accommodation, the kind of pure resi side, it can seem like a totally different world, which you know, sometimes is touted as being a lot easier. And oh, when you have tenants, you can just kick them out. It's not like an AST. And, you know, you can paperwork exercise a property and 10x the value of it. And, you know, you kind of hear a lot of positive stuff about it, but it can also seem quite dense and maybe complex to people. So I hope today we are going to clarify that for people and and delve into commercial opportunities for 2021. But before we get into that, could you tell us a little bit about you and your background? Yeah, sure. So, um, so I'm a charter surveyor. I've been a charter surveyor for about 25 years, scarily. And, um, I, my, I, I've had a long corporate career before I became an investor. So, um, I've worked for CBRE, uh, B&Q. I used to acquire big sites and stores for them, um, and land securities, um, the, uh, a very large real estate investment trust who where I manage big portfolios of shopping centers and retail parks so um i've got a i've got a kind of extensive corporate uh, pedigree i guess you could say um i specialized latterly in the retail market but i you know i've i've done all types of property in my corporate career and then in about in 2015 um i had uh, my my children and just decided that really it's something I'd always wanted to do was to set up my own business. And, you know, I don't think the corporate mindset really ever prepares you for being an entrepreneur, actually. So um, uh, I I kind of, I I set it up, uh, set up my business and started investing in both residential. Actually, I started with residential, ironically, um, but now I invest in residential and commercial. Um, I still do some consultancy for um, commercial clients and I have recently set up a training business. So I offer a uh, online course and kind of weekly mentoring to a group um, uh, on commercial property. You know, and as you say, I don't think that um, I don't think there's a, there's a load of knowledge on it. So I just really want to try and help people using my using my experience. Hmm. OK. And am I right in saying you were looking after was it two point eight billion pounds worth of assets at one point? <laughs> yes. Wow. Yeah. 
What, I mean, <laughs> like, is that a bunch of sort of commercial stuff in London? What, what was that consisting of? That was a nationwide portfolio of shopping centres, actually. So um, I had I had all those under my remit. And um, so really big shopping centres. I don't know if any, any of your listeners will know kind of Cabot Circus in Bristol. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Buchanan Galleries in Glasgow, uh, White Rose in Leeds, Trinity in Leeds. Um, so, yeah, re- really big kind of national um, national shopping centres. And I was responsible for making sure that they performed, you know, so that we got, you know, we, we increased the value of them, that we ran them properly, that we, you know, did, did lots of lettings, etc. So, yeah, it was, a, it was a big old role, that one. Wow. And, you know... I suppose if you if you compare that corporate life and that corporate sort of maybe strategy or maybe approach to property and, and especially commercial, how how does that differ in a good or bad way or neither to kind of I suppose how we do it now, which is the non corporate side? Yeah, I mean, I think there's some really interesting learnings we can take as investors from the way corporates do it. Yeah, you know, there's a reason that um, they they do a lot of their checks and balances. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think that adopting the corporate approach to due diligence and uh, relationship building and, and all, the, all that kind of stuff, I think, is really useful. Where corporates, um, I think, well, it's, it's quite challenging to avoid it, actually, where they kind of have it wrong is that they're not um, not as fleet as foot, obviously, as, as entrepreneurs. And um, they... Yeah, they can't respond to the market maybe quite as much. Um, they've got shareholders to respond to, etc. So, the real advantage we as entrepreneurs have is that you know we we can we can uh, move much quicker. We can go into new sectors much quicker. Um, but obviously, the, the challenges we have are more around finance. You know, which which you know, the big corporates have have sorted, and and making sure that we can. Um, you know, get our money out of properties, etc. But I think, yeah, I think corporates can definitely teach us a few uh, best practices. Is probably the best word to say in terms of how to how to deal with property. Mm, I, I like that, and I think that being fleet of foot is something that, yeah, any big company, any corporate, in any industry always struggles with. You know, whether it's innovation, whether it's just actually acting on it. Compared to us, yeah, there's a there's a big difference. But I like that the best best practices from them. So, yeah. you know. A lot of people, actually, before we get into commercial, are, are perhaps in a stage where you were, which was, you know, quitting your job and kind of, you know, going it alone, I suppose, or starting your own business. Um, obviously, it coincided with other things in life. But, you know, for anyone out there who is thinking of quitting their job, getting into property, do you have any advice or learnings from when it happened to you and you kind of going through that experience and maybe the challenges from that? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the biggest piece of advice I could give to people is um, get some. Tr- it sounds really odd because you've been doing something in a corporate context for a very long time, but get some training. And I would say most specifically in mindset training. I I, I just don't think. I mean, every every year I grow my mindset, and I, I'm definitely not there yet. Uh, and I don't think I don't think anybody is. If if you're there, kind of like very impressive, really. But you know. Um, there's, there's a. I think that being an entrepreneur and being out on your own is, is, is as much mindset as it is about strategy and you know type of property you're investing, etc. So, for me, um, I had a corporate mindset, and obviously as a charter surveyor, I you know, I was relatively risk averse. You know, I could always weigh the risks up. You know, and you know, we're quite 
were very professional and um, you know, I was very much used to doing lots of risk assessments when I was writing papers in the corporate world, you know, and, um, and, and whilst it's really good to kind of bring some of that discipline into my own business, um, you definitely need to, um, start thinking like an entrepreneur, um, you know, operate in spite of fear in a lot of cases, um, and, you know, so so the biggest tip I would give is, you know, um, try and get that mindset strengthened because I'm not convinced that the corporate world gives you that. I like that. I like that a lot. I think it's it's quite telling in, in that, you know, either one of us could give or anyone could give you a, a recipe, right? How to make a dish. But 10 people, are, especially if they cook, are going to make it differently. And it's, you know, when you look at education, when you look at you know, people listening to this podcast, you could give everyone a blueprint right now of how to excel in commercial property. But, you know, 20%, maybe 10%, maybe even less are actually, if they want to, going to take that, implement it and be successful. And I think it's not, you know, their strategy, it's their mindset. It's, can I push through the nose? Can I keep going? Can I analyze deal after deal after deal? And that is what you just said there. It's mindset. And if you're in a corporate job, then yeah, I don't think it prepares you to kind of wake up every day and say, okay, well, I've got to push myself. I've got to do this. I've got to do everything, which, yeah, that's a really, really good tip there, people, to, to work on your mindset. So let's talk about commercial property. Uh, where do we start? I mean, let, let's talk about the market. Let's kind of start quite wide here. Now, we are recording this in January 2021, tier four lockdown most shops uh, most commercial places are are shut by law you know where do you see us going in the next few months and maybe even this year in 2021 with the commercial market yeah so it's it's really it's a really interesting market i mean this is my third recession and i have never seen a market like this mind <laughs> you who who has um yeah. But, you know, it, it's really interesting how every sector of the commercial market is responding differently to this. And, you know, effectively, what we're seeing is the acceleration of trends that were happening anyway, but have just, you know, we're going to probably reach a conclusion by the late 2020s, 2030, um, and have just been accelerated by COVID. So, you know, there's, there's so for example, in the retail market, you know, turnover rents, flexible leases, um, you know, uh, the the um, the downfall, unfortunately, of, of quite a few big brands. You know, that was always going to happen uh, because, you know, they either weren't keeping track with customer uh, demands and expectations or they were just badly run businesses, but they're being propped up by the economy. So kind of it was all going to happen anyway, but it's just all being condensed in a very short period of time, which which is really interesting. So. Um, I mean, I think that once the government support ends, unfortunately, there is going to be a fair amount of administrations um, and insolvencies. So one thing that I always recommend to people is whatever tenant you're getting in a property, no matter how blue chip you think they are, just do massive checks and balances on them because there is definitely going to be, um, you know, e even great brands. I couldn't handle my heart kind of sitting here today say that, um, you know, all the great brands that, that we know and love will survive this. You know, we've already seen some real shockers in that in that department. So um, definitely, definitely check your tenants. In, um, and obviously there's winners and losers from this whole situation. So, you know, the, the, the obvious winners are 
online groceries, online shopping. Um, you've got your um, health, obviously. I mean, not that it's actually a winner, but, you know, kind of the demand for health care in pure property terms is, is only going to grow as a result of this. Local shopping. Um, so, you know, th- there's some real winners. And as a result of that, you know, you can see the industrial sector with logistics, um, data storage, you know, is going to be massive cold storage for um, fresh food and vaccines, you know, is going to be huge. So that there's some real winners. Um, and then obviously you have the the losers, unfortunately, you know, retail is is definitely one of those, you know, I don't, I'm not going to go into what's happening because I think everyone's, everyone's well aware but retail is definitely, um, you know, has definitely been affected. You know, rents have been halved, values have been um, annihilated. Having said that, I don't think retail is dead. You know, retail is alive and kicking. I just think it's it's all going to be about, and I'm going to, um, you know, one of my stra- real strap lines for 2021 is niching. You know, niching for 2021 is going to be really key because, um uh, uh, because not everything's rep- responding the same. So even within sectors like retail, you know, I think that I think that there will be winners and there will be losers. And that, but there will be winners. There will be um, niches and areas where um, you know retail will be fine actually. And then you've got um, you've got offices. And <laughs> I mean, goodness, you know what what an unexpected uh, hit to offices. But I don't think the office again. The office is dead. I just think that. Uh, that market will change and and there'll be a different type of office that will be um, that that will kind of rise from the ashes. So it's a really interesting market. You know, I think it's very difficult to say the commercial property market is doing one thing because it's doing lots and lots of different things. Mm, I agree. That's, That's a nice overview. And what I kind of took from that was that the commercial property market kind of changes with the economy. So as we move to a everything Amazon, everything online kind of model, you know, people are going to need storage as opposed to a corner shop or as opposed to like a, a store that sells lots of stuff. And, you know, am I right in saying that we can't predict anything, but that generally people should look at, I suppose, their own buying habits and their own commercial habits and the world around them to, to show them a clue of what might follow in the actual commercial property market? Yeah, one hundred percent. You've you've hit the nail on the head there. I mean, it's it's absolutely about doing your upfront research. So, kind of assessing the trends, you know, the prevailing trends, not just now, but the ones that will emerge from this whole situation. Um, you know, and Brexit as well. Brexit. You know, we've had two massive generational events in one year. You know, COVID and Brexit. So, um, what's going to emerge from Brexit? You know, um, we've got we haven't got regulation from Brussels anymore, you know, is the government going to, for example, um, enable more financial services to come into the UK and facilitate tech start- startups more, which is an obvious area for the government to facilitate. Um, so you've got, you've got all those kind of trends coming in. You've got changing working, living patterns and changing shopping patterns. So yeah, it's definitely about looking at those kind of, macro trends and you know where where the key sectors are and then working out geographically where where the winners for those areas will be you know for those trends will be and then kind of you know i think really that that's that's the nuts and bolts of kind of getting your strategies sorted really Hmm. and you know i suppose that is yeah that's kind of a a nice way there of working out "Mm, which kind of area should i focus in but you know for I suppose for for 2021, and you know, I suppose speaking of right now, 
are there, I don't want to say are there opportunities, there always are, but, you know, are you personally waiting now for, to see what happens with, like, the next few months? Are you still actively buying? What's your views on doing, you know, things right now? So I was waiting last year, I have to say, um, because the market was so turbulent. I think it started to settle down towards the end of the year, especially with the Brexit announcement. You know, Brexit would, would have been a massive impact on, if that hadn't happened, would have been a massive impact on commercial property um, because of kind of the confidence in that sector would have been massively hit. Um, so for me, I'm, I'm starting I'm starting to buy. I'm starting to put offers out. Um, you know, the people very successful who are putting offers out and getting offers accepted um you know, last year, you know, it was no reason to stop. It's just that I think there's a few hints and tips to um, navigating this market when you are buying. I mean, I think the first one is put an offer out for where the market's going to be in six months, whether the, where the market is today, you know, by using a bit of, um, uh, you know, bit a bit of forecasting if you can, you know, even if it's crude, just to make sure that you're, you're not overpaying, you know. So, for example, I think that a lot of retail is still overvalued um, and still hasn't kind of got to the place where, you know, I feel comfortable. So a lot of the offers I'm putting out on retail are not being accepted, but that's fine by me. You know, I'll just let them sit there. Um, you know, they'll at some point they might come back and, you know, just, just really make sure that you do your due diligence. So due diligence is absolutely key in these kind of markets to make sure that you um, you've got multiple exits sorted out and um that you you know as i said earlier you check your tenant covenant and make sure that uh, your tenant's good for the money so you know I, I don't think that um it's a reason to have a hiatus in your investing you just need to make sure you do your checks and balances in this kind of market hmm. and when you invest in commercial property are you purely you know keeping it commercial and adding value or are you also doing commercial to resi so yeah, I'm. I've got um, I've got three strategies, um, and one of them is does include sort of part con- conversions. There'll be mixed use, but part conversions to either uh, residential or supported living. So um, yeah, I do have that. But I've got yeah, I've got c- c- a couple of niche strategies where they're purely they're purely um, commercial, and um, you know I, I know I can add value in that in that realm, and. I mean, let, let's take people on a journey, I suppose, from kind of maybe finding a, a commercial development opportunity, how we can add value, what we can do with it. And, and that. let's take people on that journey because, yeah, I think it'd be really useful for people to see realistically how it kind of works and, and actually how it's different to resi. You know, I think with a buy to let, you can buy one, you can lick a paint, new kitchen, new bathroom, you've added value, easy. It's very easy to understand. Great. Um, let's start at finding these properties uh is it the kind of usual thing of agents commercial agents online auctions or is there a particular way and sort of strategy to find commercial opportunities so yeah exactly what you said so there are specialist commercial agents locally and nationally who um you know you can go to yeah exactly um, auctions um online portals the slightly different online portals um you know you can still use right move zoopla but uh, property link estates gazette is a really good one for commercial property as well so um, you can use those but there's other ways you can source commercial property um, obviously look for boards in your town you know sale boards and um, but there's also a few packages you can use um, mapping packages that can help you source direct to vendor 
So there's a there's a package called Nimbus Maps, another one called Land Insight. There's there's a, another package called CoStar. Um, and what they've done is they've basically looked at all the commercial property in a in a town or city across the country, and they've um, that they, they've put the leases in. You can get the land registry details. You can get planning details. You can. Um, and you can basically work up, work up a director vendor. You, a, you can kind of target your strategies quite clearly with those mapping packages, but you can also do some director vendor work. So I, w- I would recommend if you're serious about this strategy to, to investigate some of those other uses as well to, to, to try and really try and target your strategy. And director vendor. Obviously, it's one of those strategies, like always, it's a numbers game, lots of letters, lots of, you know, I suppose, small costs over and over again. Are you a fan of it? Is it something you do quite heavily? Honestly, um, in the past, I haven't really um, massively. I've kind of, you know, being being from a background where I've had lots of relationships with agents, I've tended to get... um, property through agents i'm just picking it up as uh, i'm just picking it up and running with it actually and i think it is a really valid strategy to use and i'm quite excited about it for my investing actually moving forwards so um you know what it does mean is that you can get property off market if needs be um and you know there's there's different strategies in uh, commercial property like sale and lease back which is something that you don't get in residential where um, an owner occupier business might own their own freehold and you could buy the freehold but do a lease back to the to the business um so getting hold of that type of product is is easier in director vendor marketing than just kind of finding it on the market Mm. and let's kind of i suppose move on to the strategy then because i think sourcing it is you know it's kind of similar to resi and other stuff just different type of agents different things you're looking for but i suppose the next question is what am I looking for? And of course, you know, there's 101 things that I could look for, but could you give us some pointers on, you know, right, I want to do commercial and, you know, I, I know how to find them. We've kind of gone through that, but what am I looking for? What kind of things am I looking for? And this, this answer can be as broad or as sort of focused as you like. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, I could talk all day about that one. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, I think the first thing is um, you don't need to, you don't need to do works. You don't need to do physical refurbishment works to commercial property to add value. You can do, you can do that. And it is a strategy, but you don't have to. So um, there's a, you know, you, you can add value to commercial property by um, extending leases, you know, to make, make leases longer. You can, um, you can, do conversions to permitted development under permitted development to residential you can um you can get new tenants in um you can change rents you can bring additional income in um it's very about it's very much about the income in commercial properties so it's about um the way you calculate obviously is very different you're not looking at um bricks and mortar values you're looking at commercial values so um it's about applying a multiplier to the income so there's there's two there's two aspects you need to look at with regard to your investing. There's first of all, how can I maximize the income on the property? Because the higher the rent is, simply the higher the capital value. Um, but also, how can I influence this multiplier, which is called a yield? And you know that what a value will do is look at the commercial property and say, okay, I'm going to take take into fact into account all the factors that that make up that property. You know, the lease length, the location, the tenant, that you know the um, 
the, all the terms of the lease, etc. And I'm going to the type of property, and I'm going to kind of take a view um, as to what that multiplier should be or that yield should be. So um, there's a whole bundle of factors that, as an investor, you need to be looking at and, and looking at what you can invest. And you know, there's some that are within your control and some that aren't. You know, you can't necessarily control. Um, everything, um, but you you, tr- you try and control most of them. So it does depend on your strategy. Um, and but but the important thing to note is that that you can, it, for example, if you want to add value by extending leases, then you need to be looking for properties where there's maybe one to three years left on the lease because you could then um, by extending the lease term, you can improve the yield, um, the multiplier that is applied to that to that rent on the property and therefore you'll you'll increase your value so if that's your strategy you'll be looking for properties where and, and this is where some of those mapping packages i talked about will help you can look at look at leases where there's kind of one to three years left on the lease you can then um, speak to the owners see if you can buy the properties and, and you can start to negotiate with the tenants to try and extend those leases to increase increase the value so you know that that's what you'd be looking for in, in that one. If you're looking uh, for permitted development, um, you would be looking at um, obviously uh, locations where those uh, permitted development rights apply. And obviously they're only in England. So if, apologies if you're listening in some of the other countries of the, of the UK. Um, and, and you'd be looking as to, as to whether, you know, for example, if there was a if there was a retail unit um, and the retail unit also occupied the upper parts of the property you know, the first and second floor, whether you could speak to that tenant, get them to give those upper parts back to you. So you could do some residential conversion there. So, again, you know, you'd be looking for a very specific type of property with that. Um, if you if you were following um, some of the trends and, and, you know, location is very, very important with um, commercial property and really the o- overwhelming message that um, you know, I kind of like to leave on that is that it's all about supply demand balance as it is in every property market, but even more so in commercial. So, you know, really look at areas where the, d- the demand for the property outstrips the supply and where the prevailing economic trends are going to be in your favour to facilitate that into the future. So, you know, make sure that, um, you know, for example, if you're buying a retail unit um, on, on a high street and there's 20 vacant units, I would suggest that the supply is greater than the demand in that location. And therefore, it's fine if you want to do a, a conversion to resi or whatever else. But if you want to let that as retail, I would suggest you're not going to get the best terms in the world. So, um, you know, you know, it's, it's kind of there's there's so many different types of sourcing you can do depending on your strategy. But I think as an overall fundamental, the, look at the supply demand balance and make sure you're buying in the very best location you can do. Mm, great advice. And I mean, I've got quite a few questions coming off that. But the first one, I, I suppose, is, you know, with a let's say with a vanilla buy to let, really, there is know where you can buy that you won't get a tenant for even if it's rural even if it's in a bit of a rough area you know with a vanilla buy to let the risk of not having a tenant and it not working is so so minimal if we contrast that to you know let's say you're holding a commercial unit obviously the risk varies with what type of unit it is but i mean i mean could you share some thoughts on yeah the risk level of commercial versus a kind of buy to let which is almost negligible risk yeah, so there's going to be um, 
there's going to be some types of commercial where you'll never you'll never find a tenant. So if you buy wrong, then you will never get that property tenanted. However, um, we wouldn't we would never stumble into that, or I hope people would never stumble into that um, and, and kind of get caught out because there's, there's certain there's lots of different ways you can mitigate the risk. So one of the ways that you can mitigate the risk is by letting to a tenant before you buy the property. And that, and by doing that, you could, um, f- find a creative way to purchase. So, for example, you could, um, buy, buy via an option. And, um, and obviously once you've secured the property, you could then be speaking to tenants and, and try, trying to, um, get, get, a, get a letting deal in place. And then you'd exercise your option. Um, you can speak to tenants about pre-letting before you before you buy the property. You know, even if you don't manage to secure a you know creative way of purchasing, you, you can you can do that. Um, you you can obviously employ an agent who can act on your behalf. It's very common in the commercial world to do that, and they can do a, a sift through of all the you know all the interest that uh, from tenants, and you can get a really good idea as to, as to who's out there. But you know, I would suggest in this market, you really do want to be trying to get income from day one. Um, and mitigating your risk. And, and to do that, you know, you really need to be um, the best tip I could probably give anybody is to follow the requirements. So um, that there's there's websites where there's requirements on, on, on the Internet, speak to local agents, local commercial agents and find those areas where there are commercial property requirements you know we've got tenants who want to take space obviously make sure they want to take it on the right rent and the right lease terms that will make your um, investment work but you know chase the tenants not the property sometimes um, because if, if you know that there's demand for a, for a particular property you know you can find it you can source the property to the tenant interest and you know it's a really great way of mitigating the risk you just talked about hmm I like that. And, you know, speaking of tenant interest, do would you say that part of your strategy or, or an approach in itself is to get in contact with tenants like, I don't know, Lidl, Tesco's, whoever, you know, other supermarkets are available and kind of, you know, build a relationship and say to them, look, where do you want sites? I can find them and refer. Like, is there a way of really taking what you said there to the level where it kind of pre-secures your interest and everything you buy has a pre-secured exit in? Absolutely. Yeah. But that's, that's a really smart way of doing business for sure. So, um, there's, there, there's, there's relationship building yourself. So, you know, kind of, I mean, you could basically follow one tenant around the country and say, right, you know, I don't know, co-op, I'll buy properties for co-op, you know, in, in all these different areas. And there's no logic behind it other than the fact that's where they want to buy. And, you know, you can facilitate that. Um, obviously, just make sure that, you know, a diversified portfolio is always preferable. So just make sure you're not putting too many eggs in one basket with that strategy. But, yeah, if you had a handful of those, that would that would be that would be really, really helpful. And, you know, you can um, uh, be, because because you know that, you, that you know, that you know, that you're going to get you're going to get the terms, you know what rent you're going to get and they, they like and trust you. An easier way, actually, I mean, you could do that yourself, but an easier way to do it is by um, appointing an agent to act on your behalf. And in the commercial property market, it's it's, it's very different than the um, the residential market because it's quite a tight knit knit market in each sector, especially at the national level, you know, in London. So, you know, when I was in the, when I was managing shopping centers, you know, I would go, I, I went to college with some of the people who were acting, you know, for retailers. I, 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 um, 
I would go to the same industry functions of them, you know, as them, we'd go out for drinks, drinks after work or whatever. And it's a very, very close knit industry. So if you choose the right commercial agents, they will have those relationships already. Now, um, so therefore, building up the relationship with an agent can sometimes be easier than building up a tenant with a with with an sorry a relationship with an end tenant, because they've known them for years, and if you know you've, they're more accessible than than the tenants can be. So um, you know, a bit of a top tip really is to is to try and nurture those relationships. You know, at the moment it's it's challenging. I appreciate, but you know, when the market and life gets a bit more back to normal, hopefully it will be more straightforward to nurture those relationships. And they can, they really, you know, if, if, if commercial agents think you're credible, they like and trust you, um, you're going to pay them fees because obviously they're fee driven, then then they can really unlock those type of relationships for you. Hmm. I like that. Always a relationship game, always. Uh, and, you know, with commercial property, I've heard uh, that, you know, so say with, you know, again, standard by toilets, flips, HMOs, whatever, you know, your value really comes from the refurb, the kitchen, the bathroom, that kind of stuff, which is, I suppose, you know, fairly straightforward. With commercial, and you, you touched on this before with like extending leases, you know, you can add a lot of value via paperwork exercises. How true is this? But also how how normal or common is it that you could just do paperwork in, in speech marks there and add value to a property? Um. Yeah, it's it's very it's very very common, and it, it's a very well worn path, and, and a very um, a very good strategy that that you can do. So, as I said earlier, you know, if you if one of your strategies is to um, is to extend, you know, is to sustain leases, because the longer a lease is, the more certainty there is and of receiving rent. So, um, you know, when a valuer looks at it, they will improve the yield. Um, because they'll say, okay, that property is less risky. So therefore, I'm going to put a higher multiplier, better multiplier on on the rent um, for that very factor. So obviously, there's lots of factors in risk on a property, but one of them is um, lease length. And, you know, if you've got a one-year lease as opposed to a 10-year lease, and obviously, the, the, the risk uh, is very different. So that, and that is absolutely a paperwork exercise. You know, it's about putting a longer lease in place with a tenant. Now, that obviously, that does that does mean um, relationship. That does mean negotiations with that tenant. So, um, it's not purely a paperwork exercise. But, um, but, but yes, um, put it, putting in a different lease in or varying lease terms, which, which are more, which are better. You know, more acceptable in the market. Um, in, improving rent, etc. So yeah, um, th- th- to some extent, there is there is um, that there's some clever paperwork that can be done. Uh, it all depends on your strategy, doesn't it? Because um, you can do that and combine it with other strategies, or you can just concentrate purely on that on that strategy. Obviously, if you're doing permitted development to residential or other uses, then um, then you'll need to employ a totally different strategy. And obviously, you know, um, that's much more of a kind of physical works type strategy. Mm, That makes sense. And one thing I've always wondered is, you know, if if a vendor is selling their commercial property and, you know, it has a short lease or it doesn't have the strongest covenant on it, then, you know, instead, because it's paperwork, not saying it's easy or anything, why wouldn't they just you know hire a surveyor hire a solicitor and say listen extend the lease make this more valuable for me why do they get rid of it at a cheaper rate and let you know one of us do it 
<laughs> it's a really good question. Um, so there's there's all kinds of people that invest in commercial property, obviously. Um, and there's very specific reasons why people hold property. And there's very specific reasons why people have to sell property as well. Maybe that they can't get any more finance on it or they've got personal reasons. It's a distressed sale. You know, they need the money or whatever it might be. And there's also a bit of lack of knowledge as well. You know, sometimes people can, um, it's very easy to buy property, isn't it? As you know, but it's not so easy to, um, to actually work it so that you improve its value. So, uh, and, you know, a lot of people don't have the knowledge to do that. So I think there's, there's a whole range of reasons why, um, why that's the case. I mean, I came across one recently where it was an industrial unit and, we were going to be extend. Um, we we spoke to the tenant. I'd always recommend people speak to the tenant. If if there's a tenant in situ before you buy, you must always speak to them and build a relationship before you buy. Um, and we spoke to them and said, "Oh, we'd love to extend our lease." I think they had three years left on their lease, and um, they said we'd, they'd love to extend their lease. And we were like, "Well, why, why haven't you done that with the existing landlords?" Oh, well, we don't like we don't like him. You know, we, we kind of we fell out with him. Uh, and we refused to do it with him, you know, and, 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 you know, you're dealing with people at the end of the day. And, and that's exactly what happened. You know, it's exactly the same as Resi, actually, isn't it? You know, it, mm. you're dealing with people. I would say commercial property is a bit less emotional, but it, you know, the, the, the same holds true, I would say. So there's all manner of reasons why, why, um, why that might be the case. Mm. Yeah, I suppose that, that does make sense. I mean, sometimes you look at certain houses that are, you know, residential houses that are selling for cheap and you just think, the owner could do this in a few weeks and it would add, you know, X thousands of value. But, you know, there's a reason, there's always a reason, a situation, uh, some sort of pain, I suppose, in, in selling sometimes for, for certain vendors. Uh, with commercial property, I would love to hear a case study of one of your favorite or worst or, or any of your kind of deals that you've done with some of the figures just to show people, well, actually, here's what it looks like, well, in reality. Okay, so yeah, um, I think I mean I've, I've there's there's some really nice deals that I've looked at with regard to lease restructuring. There's one I'm there's one I'm um, doing at the moment, which is a it's it's a very niche retail strategy I've got actually, um, and I like to look at kind of really um, really really uh, wealthy areas because I think retail is still going to do pretty well in those areas so at the moment I'm looking at the um at a uh, a retail property with upper parts that I can um I think I can negotiate with the tenant to surrender and um the uh, what what's so good about that is that despite the fact the retail market is is really struggling is that um in those kind of high socioeconomic areas um I think that there'll always be demand for for retail. Um, there's an existing tenant in place who have a kind of five year lease remaining, and I think that we can um, we can we can get them to hand back the upper parts of the property, which means that we can do do a conversion to to, to residential there. So we'll be looking at um, we're looking at buying the property for about two hundred and fifty thousand pounds, and we think that we can probably improve the value to about uh, £400,000. Um, and the, the cost of works, you know, that, that's, that's a reasonable profit. In, in this market, that's a really nice profit. And we don't think that um, – we think the tenant will actually surrender the, the upper part. So, as I say, it's what I'm doing at the moment. It's not a done deal yet, but I think that 
that type of deal in this market is really interesting, especially with the permitted development rights in in, in England. Mm, okay, so you're you're converting the top, which I assume they're just you know the, the shop is just using for storage or you know whatever, exactly into so doing a physical refurb, converting that into flats under permitted development. So no full planning permissions needed. No, that's right. Yeah, we have we just have to um, we have to just have to go for some prior approval on that, uh, which uh, is only because we're just it's only because we're going to be altering the outside of the property a bit. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's um, it, it, it's it's it should be relatively straightforward to do that conversion. And how much are the cost of works? The cost of works will be um, in the region of about sixty thousand pounds, between fifty and sixty thousand mm. pounds. Okay, that makes sense. And and actually, I, I suppose a question on that, and generally, or maybe a question of deal analysis. You know, developers, investors kind of tend to say they look for profit of 20, 25% on land, on, you know, conversions, whatever. Is that your kind of baseline as well for all deals? Yes. Um, for, for development deals, yes, um, for sure. Um, if I'm doing a, um, if I'm doing a kind of asset management deal, I just want to try and get my money out of that. So, um, it, it all depends on as to whether I can get my money out. Um, so I have slightly different um, criteria on that. And in in the commercial property world, um, I mean, you can get as sophisticated as you want with your analysis of, of, of commercial property, really. Um, you know, um, it, it's very much about because you have longer leases, it's very much about what's going to happen over that lease term as well. And And it's not just about your day one increase in value. It's about kind of the value you're going to get over the term of that lease. So we use things like internal rates of returns and net present values and stuff to try and get to, to get a proper idea of that. So if I can get my money out at day one or, or the, the bulk of it out at day one, um, and then kind of, you know, I can look at the rent roll over, over my whole period, um, you know, and there's rent reviews, you know, cause, cause rents keep in, keep in line with inflation quite often in commercial property. Then that will give me the whole picture as to how that investment's going to look. Hmm. Okay. And am I right in saying, so the listeners can be super clear on this with the lease extension strategy or, you know, or essentially doing paperwork to increase the strength of, you know, the covenant, the lease, whatever you want to call it on this asset is you buy the pro- you buy the property with you know various terms and conditions if required at you know let's just easy maths 100 grand you use cash bridging whatever and then you extend the lease or strengthen it and then you know however you know many weeks months days whatever later you then remortgage it at let's say 200 for argument's sake putting all your money back out and now you've got a cash flowing asset. Is that the kind of overall process for that? Yeah, it is pretty, pretty, pretty much. Um, and the thing you're trying to influence, um, so there's two, obviously as I said earlier, there's two things you're trying to influence. You're trying to influence rent and you're trying to influence yield. So if you can improve the rent, obviously automatically you're going to improve the capital value. Um, but you're trying to, um, it also influence this yield, this, this kind of, uh, risk, you know, the, the risk um, analysis that a value is going to do to put this multiplier on. And um, you, if ideally, you want to try and hit both of them. Um, but exactly what you say, you, um, 
uh, you you must speak to your finance broker before you do this type of deal just to make sure that you can get the right loan to values etc but but pending that um that's exactly what you said is exactly the way you do it cool and I suppose a question on the kind of end values, which you as a surveyor are very, very familiar with, in commercial, generally speaking, like obviously, in a, you know, in, in a kind of buy-to-let, in a residential thing, it's, you know, the square footage, it's the spec, it's the kind of finish, the location, those kind of, uh, let's call them straightforward things. With commercial, you know, do they take that into consideration as well as the multiplier or is it purely sort of math based off the lease? If there's a lease in place to a commercial tenant, then they and, and it depends what kind of lease that is, because they can have full repairing and insuring leases, which where the tenant does everything. They kind of repair, maintain the whole property, including the structure. Or you can have internal repairing leases where they, they just do the, the in, inside. Um, if if um, if a value is looking at a property and the tenant's meant to be um, or is kind of uh, repairing everything, then they'll, they won't take pay too much attention to the quality of, you know, the, uh, the repair, et cetera, because they know that there's liabilities in that lease for the for the tenant to repair. They'll, they'll take, pay a bit of consideration to it, but not loads. Um, if, if you're trying to market a property that's not in great shape, that the only reason that they'll take it, pay attention to the, the quality of the property and the fit out is because they... Um, that they'll w- w- worry that it won't be easy to let because it's in a bad shape. So everything that a value will be looking at and everything that you need to look at as an investor is how lettable is that property? How attractive is it to incoming tenants? Because ultimately it's the rent, you know, it, it's how much rent you can get for that property and the kind of lease terms you'll be able to get as well. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think lastly, you know, obviously we've spoken about the benefits and the pros and, you know, how, commercial can work really well what do you think are some threats to and again it's so hard to predict but what do you think are some threats to the commercial property market in 2021 some areas that people should just be aware of or some risks to you know their investments well a very a very obvious one is the kind of is supply and demand in certain sectors and the fact that in in those sectors where um supply outweighs demand like in the retail sector for example then tenants will be looking for really flexible lease terms basically because they can you know why would you sign up to a 10-year lease if you could sign up to a 10-year lease with rolling annual break clauses um so so tenants will be looking for a lot more flexibility and it's not just in the retail sector. It's right across the piece um, because that's, I think that's kind of a trend in, in lease terms. So, um, you know, if, if, if you, you know, you can still, still can get longer leases, but this is all about buying the right quality of product in the right location where there's demand so that you can get better lease terms. So very much watch, watch out for those flexibility of leases uh, because as a landlord, that's exactly what you don't want. You know, you want to, get that income guaranteed for as long as you can. Tenant covenants, the other one you need to, to, to really look into. We've talked about that. Turnover leases is a, is a trend that's happening um, because, especially in the retail sector, basically what a turnover, turnover rent is, is that um, rather than getting a fixed rental, the landlord will get a percentage of the tenant's turnover. And the tenant's turnover will be um, obviously very much within their their own gift rather than the landlord. So it gives some uncertainty. 
So again, that is very much a trend that's happening on certain types of property, mainly retail, I would say, but it's just, it's just something, something to look out for. And then I think it's just the general supply of property, you know, um, this is very relevant for, for retail. Um, but in other sectors as well, what you are, what you always get in a recession, um, and obviously this one's a bit odd because it's a COVID related recession, but you get, um, insolvencies, you get tenants going under, you get a lot of vacant space, and then it can take some time for that to be soaked up because you do get Phoenix companies coming out of the ashes, entrepreneurs take advantage of, um, you know, the kind of the, the, the tax breaks, et cetera, that governments give after recessions, although, We'll wait and see how long this government kind of uh, takes to, to to implement higher taxes, but um, but 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 it does take a while for that space to be soaked up. So just just don't buy in areas where there's too much space available, um, you know, too many too many for sale boards, because um, you know you, you will you will have problems letting that type of prop- that type of space unless unless you're doing a conversion to other uses and of course you know it's not quite as relevant so there's definitely some trends in commercial property that are happening to keep your eye on but you know the real trick in kind of mitigating those is to buy in the right locations and the right type of space and make sure there's enough demand for the unit that you're buying yeah great advice well Susie, thank you so much for coming on the ted talks podcast if people want to get a hold of you uh where's the best place for them yeah. So um, if you're interested in learning more about commercial property, then um, you can check out my website, which is www.commercialpropertyacademy.co.uk. That's www.commercialpropertyacademy.co.uk. There is um, there's a free webinar on there all about commercial property. And um, that is where my kind of online co- online coaching program is. So if you want to check that out, um, otherwise, you can find me on Facebook um, I, I do kind of live updates on the commercial property market or you can get in touch with me on uh, on Facebook as well. Great. Thanks, Susie. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. If you like this podcast, connect with Tej on Facebook, LinkedIn and YouTube for more great content.